Uh, so the Psalm 13 is on the back of the bulletin. It is there. It will be on the screen as well. We're going to walk through it. But I want to talk about what I mean. I want to talk about what I mean by lament first. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Richard. About a third of the book of Psalms are psalms of lament. A third of them. And there are times that we come before God and we are exuberant. Uh, we have times of worship. We have times of happiness. Sometimes we come before God and we are full of expectation and anticipation about what God is doing. And there's other times that we come before God that we just weep. That we just cry. And not cry tears of joy, just cry, cry. Um, I think of Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, it's the night before he goes to the cross. It's the night he's betrayed by his disciples, by, uh, specifically by Judas. And he's in the garden. And it says that he's crying so hard that his tears are like drops of blood. And you can actually hurt your eyes to such an extent that they would bleed if you cried enough. His heart is grieved. In fact, he tells his disciples, I am deeply grieved even to death. He was lamenting. Lament is an important part of our spirituality. And today we're going to be talking about that. Today we're going to be, ta- we're going to be entering into a, a time, a period of lament. Uh, David, the author of Psalm 13, the psalm we're going to be looking at, David wrote this psalm as he had been driven out of uh, Jerusalem. His son had uh, rebelled against him, and he had basically uh, kicked him out of the palace. His own son had tried to kill him, um, and so he went into exile. Rather than fight a war against his son, he went into exile. And he's in exile, and he's lamenting. One scholar said this. He said, this is it. Listen to this. One scholar said this about lament. Lament is speech about God's failure and neglect in the relationship. The speech erupts in indignation and urgency. It's an act of insistence and of hope. The lament is uttered in trust that God is still listening and can reshape the relationship and the community. And I was so moved by Debbie's sermon last week as she brought us through the dark places of her divorce and was so honest with us. And um, how many of you guys were touched by that sermon like I was? Yeah. It's online. I got to listen to it online. It wasn't a happy-go-lucky uh, sermon, but it touched on the bitterness and disappointment of life. And what truly touched my heart was when she was talking about her daughter and hearing her daughter cry. And, and she said that strong truth. She said, I would do anything to seek justice for my daughter. I would do anything to seek justice for my daughter, to bring her justice. When we see the injustices of life, those who are weak are made to suffer. Some people are suffering wrongly. That's when we cry out to God to lament. That's, injustice inspires our lament. We join Jesus in Gethsemane. We join Mary at the cross as she's watching Jesus die. We join David in exile. We go alongside of them in their dark places, because we are also like them, going through hard places together. So today, I'm going to encourage you to join me as we walk through lament. I'm going to encourage you to do it in very practical ways, and we're going to do it together. We're going to walk through lament together as a family. So we're going to form our own laments today, and we're going to take uh, Psalm 13 as our guide to sort of form lament. So what I want you to do... uh, right now at the beginning, is to take a moment 
And I want you to use your uh, bulletin, or if you don't have a bulletin, you can use a prayer card if you want. And I want you to write down what it is on your heart that causes you to lament. You could just write down a word. If a word is sufficient to capture what you're trying to communicate, you could write down a sentence. This is not something you're sharing with your neighbors. Okay, This is not cheating. What is it on your heart that is causing you to lament? What are the injustices that you are facing? What are the injustices that your family or your people are facing? Today we're going to bring those things to God. I'm actually going to write it down too. Here's my pencil. There's pins on the back of your seat too. I'm going to join you. There's been a few things on my heart. Perhaps it's disappointment with your life or with relationships. Perhaps it's injustice in your society. Maybe it's the death of somebody. Whatever it is that causes you in your darkest, darkest moments to doubt the justice of God, write that down. We're going to deal with that today. All right, now we're going to go to Scripture. Scripture is a guide. Scripture guides us through our highs and our lows of life. Scripture has no areas of, um, uh, that it keeps hidden away from us. There's no area of your life that you say, I'm struggling with this or I'm dealing with this, and Scripture is not able to provide you um, help in that moment. Scripture is our guide. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read this psalm, and I've broken it up in your, um, in your sheet there into three sections. I'm going to read the first section first. I'm going to read it with the laments of my own heart, the things I've written down. I'm going, to, I'm going to read it with that in my mind. And then I'm going to pause, and I'm going to invite you to read it as well. Uh, read it silently to yourself. That's fine. Read it out loud. You can yell it, that's fine if you need to, you can whisper it, but hold your laments in your heart. So you hold your lament in your heart, and you read this passage as a prayer for yourself, okay? So I'm going to read this with my laments in my heart, and I'm going to pause, and you repeat the lines as well, in your heart, or out loud, or however you want to do it. Let this psalm communicate what you need to communicate to God. I'm going to go ahead and read it. How long, O Lord? How long? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? I'm going to read it one more time. How long? How long, O Lord? Will you forgive me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? We witness the injustice of this world, the injustice of our own lives. 
and we're broken inside because of it. We don't know what to do with it. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann, he calls this disorientation. There's a ride at the fair. Um, we didn't go on it this last time. We went to the state fair, but I've been on it when I was younger. And it, you get into it, and it's basically just a disc. And you stand up against the side of the disc, and it spins at this incredible speed, right? And when you get off, talk about disorientation. Everything that you thought was in one particular place ends up being somewhere else. When you go to step, you think you're putting your foot on something solid, but it ends up not being there. At our times of lament, that's exactly what it feels like. It's disorienting to us. Injustice is like this. It doesn't feel right to us. It doesn't feel like it should happen to us. I was in England uh, a few years ago when the news hit that um, a prayer group at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, uh, Char- sorry, Charleston, South Carolina, was hit by a white supremacist who killed nine people. And for me, even though I was across the pond, it hit me, and it was it was disorienting. It couldn't. How could that happen? How could that happen? And my immediate reaction is to reorient myself, to jump back into orientation, right? I just want it to be all right. I just want it to be okay. I just want to forget that. So let's, have the, let's, let's look at the news cycle, and then let's move on with our lives. You know, We don't like to stay in disorientation. We try and reorient ourselves as quickly as possible. And as Pentecostals, we're a Pentecostal church here. If you're a new, we're a Pentecostal church. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm not sorry, but I'm just, just as an FYI. As Pentecostals, we are so familiar with God's awesome power to heal and so familiar with his power to restore that sometimes we jump to reorientation so quickly that we don't allow ourselves the time that's necessary to lament and grieve and deal with our disorientation first. We want healing so badly that when people around us are suffering, we really can't help them. All we can do is, is say, oh, let me pray for you for healing. I don't want to know about your life or your story or, or what it is that's bringing you to this place of disorientation. I just I want to get over with it. I want to get over with it. So we end up preaching health and wealth to the sick and the poor. Practicing lament is our way of pushing back against the false narrative that good Christians don't suffer. It's our way of pushing back against that false narrative. While some ignore suffering, we face it head on because we believe that the Spirit of God has given us courage and boldness to do so. While some want to claim that Christians should never be sick, we will work to address the reality of sickness while at the same time praying for healing. Because we believe that God meets us right where we're at. That he still can heal us miraculously. But that he is concerned not only about our physical body, but the, the circumstances of life that caused our physical body to be sick in the first place. And while some believe that the wealthy are blessed by God and the poor are cursed by God, we point to Jesus, right? The sufferer, the abused one, the poor man, 
We point to Jesus as our Savior and our Baptizer and our Healer and our King. He is our King. Lament is our way of protest because it reminds a world obsessed with avoiding suffering that suffering still exists and that we serve a God who knows our suffering, who, like Debbie said last week, can hold our suffering. And not only that, but he can do something about our suffering too. Theologian Sung Chan Ra, he calls lament an act of praise because it acknowledges a God who can do something about suffering. We don't cry out to God as an exercise in futility. Those prayers that you have and those things that you've written down, right? I'm not asking you to do that because I want you to be reminded all of the terrible things that's going on in your life right now. We cry out to God because we know he answers us. I, uh, I knew a family, it was a pastoral family, and um, the daughter of this family uh, had been uh, molested by a congregation member of their church. And the family decided that they were not going to take the time necessary to grieve over that. They jumped to reorientation, right? They jumped to the end product. Everything's all right. They didn't allow themselves to lament. They didn't allow themselves to suffer, in a sense. They went straight to get beyond this. And it absolutely tore their family apart. The daughter turned to drugs and relationships and self-harm as a way to cope with the grief that she still had inside of herself that she wasn't able to express. The father uh, became more and more distant from his wife and his kids, and the children scattered. Sometimes Christians, even pastors, hesitate to lament because we think that Calling out those things that we're suffering through gives more power to them. And that's not true. Sometimes our suffering embarrasses us. We don't want to admit it. We don't want to admit what we're going through. But the reality is that to lament is not to doubt God. To lament is not to give power to suffering. To lament is to rob suffering of its greatest power. And that is silence. Suffering's greatest power over us is its ability to silence us, to seclude us from other people, to cut us off in relationship. That's when death gets the upper hand. That's when pain triumphs. And lament is our way to push back against that. Some people say, isn't it wrong to tell God how angry I am with him? You know what? God can take it. He's a big God. He can take it. In fact, I believe that when we lament, when we grieve deeply, it's our most honest prayer in our moment, right? Because we're being truly honest about who we are in front of God, and he honors that. There's this guy, John Calvin. He's dead. He was French. He wrote this about Psalm 13. That's all you need to know about him. He wrote this about Psalm 13. This is what he said. To acknowledge in the midst of our afflictions that God really has a care about us is not the usual way with men. But by faith, we apprehend his invisible providence. Thus it seemed to David here, as far as could be judged from beholding the actual state of his affairs, he was forsaken by God. At the same time, however, the eyes of his mind 
guided by the light of faith, penetrated even to the grace of God, although it was hidden in darkness. Jesus said, Behold, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you believe that this morning? Why should I feel discouraged? Amen. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion? My constant friend is he. His high is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. So the psalmist turns his eye heavenward. He begins to cry out to God. Lament moves us to prayer. Lament moves us to seeking God. And I'm going to pray through the next few lines. I'm going to pray for them for myself. And I want to welcome you to do the same thing. I want to welcome you to pray them with me. So I'm going to pray them, and then we're going to have a pause, and you pray them as well. As you consider the things you're lamenting about, pray for them in your mind, in your heart. Pray for them out loud. Let's pray together. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. The psalmist prays, we pray, that God would consider us. Consider us, Lord. Do not pass me by, Lord. To consider is to see. The longer that I walk uh, in my Christian faith, the more that I realize what I really want is to see God and have God see me. Paul says it like this, to know him just as I am fully known. I just want to know Jesus. I just want to see Jesus. We had um, this last week on Monday a... Uh, an LMA meeting. It was our first meeting, and um, we went down to uh, Wynema Retreat Center, and, and normally what we do... Huh? Ah, oh, that's a good question. In LMA is the North Lincoln Ministerial Association. Uh, so the North Lincoln Ministerial Association is made up of uh, our church and about eight or so other churches in this area um, that... We gather once a week as pastors to pray, um, and we have a year that starts in September, and it goes, we usually take the summer off. This next year, Ben Baker is the pastor of Church of Christ, uh, will be our president. Please be praying for him. Ben Baker is down there. And I'm going to be the secretary, which is exciting. Um, but we had our meeting this last Monday to talk about this next year. And normally what we do is we spend the time planning, right? So we put on some events. This last year we put on uh, several events. Um, you know, we did our 50 days of prayer, we did our Easter, and we did um, uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving, we did several other things. Uh, and this time, we just felt like, look, I'll be honest with you, this last year has been hard for the NLMA. That's one of the things I'm lamenting about. We had a pastor in town who's uh, now in jail for sexual abuse of a minor. 
We had a church burn down just recently. Uh, we had several splits within the NLMA that we kind of, you know, don't necessarily broadcast, but which have been difficult. And um, there was a lot to grieve about, a lot to lament about. And as we got together, we realized quickly we weren't going to spend any time planning. We just wanted to spend time talking to one another, to see each other, to consider one another, to recognize one another. Right? I don't know if you were like this, but um, I'm, I'm married. I've been married for 10 years now. Sometimes if we get into a rhythm, we can go for days just passing each other. We're in the same house, we're sleeping in the same bed, but we're just passing each other. You know, we got work, or we got stuff with the kids, or we got... And it's those moments when you're married, you know, those precious moments where you sit down with that person and you say, we need to reconnect. I need to see you. I need to be seen by you. We need to have a face-to-face, a moment together. That is what God is longing for in your own life. He's longing for you to just... You understand, there's a day-to-day... There's a you get busy. There's a it's hard to find time to pray and read our Bibles. I understand all of that. And God's saying, I just want to sit down and reconnect, have a face to face, to consider each other, to know you as I am fully known. That's what our desire is. That's what God's desire is for us. And that's what we did here at this last week at the NLMA. It was something powerful about that. Something powerful about that time just to pray with one another. We had, like, we had like four or five hours together, and we spent like four and a half hours praying and 30 minutes planning. So if you had high hopes about the NLMA's events this year, you may be disappointed. But if you had high hopes about the NLMA's ability to minister to one another and minister to our city together, then expect big, because it's going to be a good year for that. That's what lament does. It takes away our masks. Right? It just lets us be authentic. Not to complain. We're not there to complain. Uh, as a commentary, he said that uh, David's complaints stir up his prayers. Right? We don't lament because we're interested in complaining. And I think sometimes in our culture, when people start to lament, when they start to say, hey, this is happening. Hey, I'm suffering in this way. Hey, this injustice is occurring. I think that sometimes we jump really quick to you're complaining. But the reality is lamenting is very different from complaining. Complaining is, look at my life, pay attention to me, things are so bad, I would like attention. Lament is, recognize the reality of this situation. Recognize the terror that this is. Recognize the hardship that I'm dealing with, please. See, consider, understand, know. That's what lament is is all about. And so lament pushes us to prayer. And here at this church, we like to be a praying church. We want to be a praying church. That's something we aspire to. We want to be a praying church. There's power in prayer. When we pray with one another, it's not nothing. There is power there. And we're actually starting, and we'll talk about this next week more, but we're starting a prayer small group that we're going to be inviting. Debbie and I are going to be leading, and, and we're going to invite you to join us. But prayer is a powerful thing. I've noticed the key difference between a Christian who suffers miserably and one who faces their suffering with a sense of peace. The key difference is how much time that person has spent in prayer. Getting closer to God, getting face-to-face with God, knowing God and being fully known by Him. As David tells us here, we have an enemy, one who desires us to be miserable, one who desires us 
to wallow in our situation. Let us thoroughly disappoint him, church. Let us thoroughly disappoint him. Amen. (laughs) We don't need to give him any mind. We are interested in lamenting before our God because we know that our God can change our situation. Let us go to our knees in prayer and find new strength there to face the realities of suffering, the realities of our lament. We need prayer to drive us there. So I'm going to read this last stanza. And I encourage you also, read it, read it uh, in your mind as I read it. But I trust it in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. What happened between verses 4 and 5? What happened between those two verses? We're going we're to have some time to pray over it in a minute. I want to just focus on this. What happened between verse 4 and 5? The psalmist has left his lament at the altar of God. There's a but in verse 5. The but of verse 5 is the declaration that God will save us, right? He is Yahweh. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God who drew the Israelites out of Egypt and parted the Red Seas. He's the God who conquered death at the cross. Weeping may endure for the night, says Scripture, but joy comes with the morning. My enemy was about to triumph over me, but God favored me. I was going down to death, but God rescued me. But I trusted in your steadfast love, Lord. My life might be going through a time of darkness and suffering, but I know that my God is bringing a morning. I know that in my own strength I may not be able to make it, but God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can do it through me. I might be going through a shadow, I might be going through the valley of the shadow of death, but God has laid a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God will bring resurrection. God will bring rescue. God will bring restoration. I might be going through hell, but God has brought heaven. And heaven is going to break into my life. That's how God works. That's how God works. So when I lament, when I pour out my heart to God, it's not because I'm complaining. It's not because I want to say, ah, oh, God, look at me, pay attention to me. Look at all the terrible things that you've done to me. I, I just hate this life that you've given me. It's because I say, God, I'm so dissatisfied with life. And I need light to come into my darkness. God, I'm so sick and tired of looking at death all day long. I need some life to come forth. God is a God of life. He's not a God of death. And when we cry out to God, Scripture says when your cries go out to God, He hears you. He considers you. He sees you. In fact, Paul says at the very right moment, at the, at the last hour, at the moment that you thought life was going to be snuffed out, that's when Jesus came in and saved you. We believe in a God who rescues us from darkness. We believe in a God who has overcome death. We believe in a God who will right every wrong. We believe in a God who, for every injustice, for the cries of Debbie's daughter, for the things that you're facing, for the things that you've written down, there will come a day when God reckons every single one of those things because we believe in a God who is just. He is merciful, brothers and sisters, but he is just. God is bringing about his own kingdom, a kingdom built on righteousness. Watch for it, brothers and sisters, watch for it. Because it's breaking into our world. It's the power of God to transform lives. To transform realities. To change your family and your community and your world. To right wrongs 
and to bring restoration. That is what God is interested in doing. Sisters and brothers, I wish we would take some time to understand how bountifully he has dealt with us, how much blessing he has given us. Yesterday morning, we sat down, we had a big breakfast. We try and have a big breakfast every Saturday, and we were sitting there, we were eating breakfast, and James began to choke. He was eating grapes, and he choked. And, and it, at first, it's like, okay, you know, kids choke because, you know, they, they're still figuring out the whole chewing and swallowing thing. And, but it was really quickly apparent this was not a uh, uh, quick thing. This was, he started, you know, really choking. Um, and you could hear his breath struggling, struggling to breathe. And Amy was freaking out. I realized in that moment, as parents, our minds go out the window. There's no way... I could deal rationally with this boy, you know. I started doing, and I know I've taken first aid classes. I've gotten CPR and AED certified and all this stuff. I did everything wrong. Everything you were not supposed to do, I did it. My, my mind was just gone. I couldn't help it. Uh, Amy started calling 911. Uh, you know, we were, we were freaking out. He was, it was maybe, I'm sure it was only maybe a minute or two minutes, but it felt like forever. It was... Yeah, it was a long time of struggling um, to get this out. And praise God, uh, she's on the phone with 911, and just as she's about to give him our address, uh, he, you know, he throws up, he's able to get it out. And, it, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I spent the rest of the day wondering about that, you know. Man, I, I do not thank God enough for how much he has bountifully blessed me. I do not thank God enough for how much, bountifully, how much bounty he has given me. I mean, you think about that. Would you thank God today for your children? Would you thank God today for your, for your brother or your sister? Would you thank God today for your husband or your wife? Would you thank God for your mother or your father? He has dealt so bountifully with you. Praise God. And I know that we go through hard times of lament. I understand that. I'm walking through that with you. We're walking through that together. But it's always with the idea in our minds, the strong hope, an impatient hope, that we know that God has given us so much. He's going to do it again. He's going to bring life again. God, I've seen you do so much in my own life. I know that you're going to do it again. Lament is full of hope. It's full of an impatient hope. When we lament, we take injustice and we drag it, kicking and screaming into the throne room of God. And we present it before Yahweh and we say, look at this. See this. Consider this, Lord. And then we leave it there. We say, God, you triumph over this. Deal with this, God. And I have to tell you, sometimes that means God wants to work through you to end injustice. We're looking at this next year with the NLMA. One of the things I've realized is that as pastors, when we start to isolate ourselves, that's when we start to run into our deepest trouble. So part of my lament process of praying over what's happened last year in the CNLMA is the Spirit of God whispering to me, now are you going to allow anybody to isolate themselves? Now are you going to allow somebody to slip away like that? So I want to tell you, when you lament, don't be surprised if God begins to speak to you and say things, because he's interested in addressing our laments. Right? That's a part of the reorientation, but you have to be disoriented first. 
You have to be disoriented first. You have to feel out of sorts. Allow yourself to lament first before God puts you on a path of reorientation, before God begins to work out those things in your life. If you can imagine that you're just going to live your life and ignore everything that's hard and wrong and expect those things to get better, brothers and sisters, you're living in a fairy world. The world that we live in, it will not be better unless you address it. And the first thing you need to do is cry about it in the presence of God and say, Lord, I don't know what to do about this. It's heavy on my heart. How long, says the psalmist, how long? Not long. Not long. Because we serve a God who sees us and knows us. He sees us and he knows us. How long, says the psalmist, not long, says God. Not long. Not long. Because the world might be in a trajectory that looks wrong to you. But God is behind it, straightening it out. And we live on a curve that we can't see the full trajectory of. But God will bring about justice to our land. One way or another, he will. One way or another, he will. I sing because I'm happy, says the song. I sing because I'm free. His eyes on the sparrow, and I know that he watches me. Today we're going to go to the throne room of God with our laments. We're going to take some time to do that right now. We're going to lay them down before God, trusting that he is going to take up our cause. As we end, I'm going to read this psalm again. And as I do so, I'm going to get to these last two lines where the psalmist says, um, but I will trust in your steadfast love. And when I get to that part, I'm going to read it slowly. And I want you by faith, as we're reading it, I want you to put your hand on your laments. And by faith, when we get to the part where I say, but I trusted in your steadfast love, I want you to take a pen, and as you feel led, cross out those laments. That's not to say that they don't exist. That's not to say you're not still going through them. That's not to say they don't hurt. That's to say as an act of faith, I'm putting these before God. I'm dragging this injustice into the throne room of God. And I'm leaving it, kicking and screaming before the one who can do something about it. So I'm going to read this, and I encourage you, as you feel led, cross those things out. Let's go to God in prayer. How long? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. But I trusted your steadfast love, O Lord. 
and my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. No, Lord, we come before you today bearing with us the injustice that we have faced, bearing with us the memories of hardship. Some of us, God, are dealing with things I can't even imagine how we're holding them up. But we're bringing them before you. We're dragging them before you, God. We're dragging them before you to say, how long, Lord, how long? And you whisper to us, not long. Not long, daughter. Not long, son. God, we push these things before you. Knowing that you are the only one who can do anything about it. We look to you for our salvation, for our rescue, Lord. You do not disappoint us. We're going to take just a moment more in prayer. And as we begin to pray, as you begin to pray, would you pour those things out before God? And we're going to invite, I want to invite Debbie to come up. I know, Debbie, I know you're praying too, sister, but you come on up. I invite any of our other prayer team uh, that wants to come up to come up. Take your time, by the way, prayer team, to lament as well, but I want to encourage you. Let's take some time to pray. Let's take some time to press in. Let's take some time to bring our laments before God. We're going to have a time of prayer here. And then I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and release this afterwards but we're going to just wait for a moment